Welcome to the new media show. We're back. Doing the new media show again. People are actually going to listen to this junk. We do it live. We're live right now. We'll just do it live. We're going live. We're going live. We just can't get enough. The new media show. Let's go. Just do it live. We're going live. We're going live. Bada bing, bada boom. The new media show. We do it live. Just do it live. We're going live. We're going live. We're going live. The new media show. I'm like Adam Curry, and you're more like John C. Dvorak. I think I am Adam Curry, and you're the old curmudgeon. We do it live. We're the new media show again. The new media show. Technology. We make it sound so special. And we are. Welcome back to New Media Show. Here we are, Rob. Yeah, we're back. Yes, yes, we are. And, uh, oh, man, I have not had a day off since the last time. Traveling and... Bouncing around the country. Well, from yeah. the last time we did the show, I'm about ready to face plant. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you that complaining about work being too hard, I have not had a day off in two weeks. Actually, more than that, uh, 17 days or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I did take 90 minutes yesterday. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So back, back in the saddle here and wow. Um, I guess I should catch you up. I know I saw, you know, I saw some of your tweets since your posts on Facebook about your, your trip to dragon con. thought that was, that was interesting. I'm, I'm curious. Cause I think the last time, uh, you went, uh, I was there too. So that's right. It's kind of, yeah. Well, so, well, we'll start off with uh, Salt Lake. Yeah. And, and I will mention that Salt Lake, I haven't been to Salt Lake in 25 years. Right. And the last time I was there, they rolled the carpet up at 6 p.m. and you couldn't get <laughs> food, let alone a beer. Right. And now they have a very vibrant downtown. And right. Pub Grub was fantastic. And not only that, the ATD show, which was about to an association for talent development show about 2000 attendees. All I can say is wow. Wow. great show. Wow. 2000. Uh, huh? Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's good turnout. Yeah. And mass mandate and, uh, uh, the folks that were there, no one really complained about it and everyone was on good behavior. And then, uh, it was us and Podbean. Podbean was there. And, uh, pretty big, the only thing was different was weird was the, the trade show floor. We had carpet in the booth, but there was no carpet in the aisles. And they kicked us out every day for two hours for quote unquote cleaning. Uh, I don't know if that <laughs> was the real deal or not, but, um, anyway, um, so, uh, yeah, then I flew out Wednesday afternoon, got into Atlanta late Wednesday night. I, I love Atlanta. That yeah. t- it's, I do. I'm that town is, uh, uh, I, the last time I was down there, um, was fantastic. So we'll see, we'll see where that, where that goes. But I, I, I'd be honest with you. I, I'm, I'm a big fan, big fan of Atlanta. Um, of course I, you know, I haven't seen everything there. So what was the, the attendance at, uh, dragon con compared to your last experience? Well, you know, they limited it to 44,000. 
Oh, only 44,000. Okay. Compared to 80. But it wow. still felt like a normal con. The rooms were, we had a great attendance in the digital media track. So was it in the same location as uh, the last time? Yeah, it was about it was it was downstairs in the Hilton, okay. right. and uh, they didn't. They had some, you know, they were there again. It was mass mandate, and um, the panels were great. The people who attended were great. The people asking questions were great. So from an attendance standpoint to the sessions, it was about the same. Hmm. So. I really, of course, the parties were going on and, you know, um, people were drinking. Like, I, I, I saw a guy walking around with a bottle of Jack and <laughs> drinking straight from a bottle of Jack. And I, and I was just like, and it was like 930 in the morning. I'm like, oh, wow, oh my getting God. an early start. Oh my God. <laughs> He'll be done by noon, you know? Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, they, that, that event's always been known for, for, for partying and they, they, <laughs> they lived up to their attention. So, but I got some other business done while I was down there as well. So more That's on good. that in the future, but I tell you, I, yeah. It was good. So overall, overall, you know, I, I can't, besides having to run through Denver airport to make a connection and, you know, air, if you're traveling business, here's mm -hmm. the rule of thumb new from now. It was a rule before, but let us remind you All right. go and morning flight. Do not take the last flight of the day. Go morning because there's lots of delays happening system. They can't turn airplanes around quick enough. Mm -hmm. Um, but my so biggest you're gonna get stuck somewhere if you don't. Right? Yeah, Atlanta, no problems with food, no problems with room service. Everything was like it felt really normal. Getting a Uber, not Uber. I mean, Lyft was cheaper than Uber. Mm -hmm. Lyft was running thirty bucks for a ride, and and Uber was running thirty bucks for a ride. Lyft was running ten. So wow, that's a big difference. Big difference. So I was playing the rates, you know, between the apps. And then uh, they had a football game at the University of Alabama versus University of Miami. So the Alabama folks came in and I got kind of hooked up. I was in a, just having dinner one night and these folks come in from Alabama and they, they can drink. Those of you that live in Alabama, holy cow. Where did you guys learn? <laughs> I, you guys remind me of Australians, the way you drink. Holy smokes, you can drink. And, and I kind of hung out with some folks and partied for a little while with them and, mm -hmm. and probably had one too many, uh, <clears throat> next morning I was sucking on, on the old water bottles pretty hard, but yeah, I had a good time. It was, it was good and productive and got to meet lots of creators. So that's what's important, but I've been, you know, trying to, you know, trying to get, catch up on email and everything else is going on. So Rob, you've yeah. been, you've been, you've been at work. <laughs> what what is happening in the podcasting space that i missed over the past week and a half well <laughs> there's one thing that's big in the news but i don't know if we should talk about it but what uh what what was big there was a couple of things that that bubbled up that actually just as of you know i i think um today or yesterday uh was some rumors around joe rogan Oh well, yeah. Okay. I wasn't going to bring it up. You weren't? No. So, okay. So I know the whole story. 
Yeah, Joe yep. got uh, COVID. Well, that and there's there's talk that uh, he's lost his contract. Uh, with Spotify. I think that was somebody that was just writing a right hit right. piece rumor. He's, that I don't know. He's right. not going anywhere. I wouldn't think so, but I don't know. I don't but know. it's a rumor out there, and that's been a a rumor for a while that that could happen to him at some point. That's why he kept his RSS feed alive at Lipson. Well, more so. importantly, Joe has threatened to sue CNN for misinformation. Right. Yeah. There's, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's part of being a controversial figure. That's you know, right. You, get, you, you got to take the good with the bad when it comes to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So. It's all good for driving audience, keeps people, uh, oh, keeps people listening. Hey, no news is good news, right? Well, all news is good news. <laughs> well, sometimes, you know, that's this is how you keep your audience. That's is right. By doing stuff controversial. Yep, you, you feed the beast. Get people, get people talking about you. You got to have a little bit of a thick skin and, to be a well, successful it, podcaster, I think. And I, I think, I think uh, Joe has a pretty thick skin by now. Yep, so, I would think so. Yep. So, so, so I guess from that perspective, it was uh, you know from news wise, probably yeah, the, it's it's been a little slow because it was a holiday, um, but there, there there's always stuff bubbling around in the space. You know, I I posted an article off of my own new website talking about my concerns of of um, you know the era of podcast exclusives. And kind of how that dovetails into well, what is considered a podcast these days. So right. if you wanted to go, go read that, you can go to robgreenlee.com. I, did. I read it already. So yeah. I did. Wow. Okay. I know you had talked about it on the last show that you're working on yep. a, working on an article. So. Yeah. Just some concerns about that, as I'm sure you totally understand where I'm coming from on that. Absolutely. So, yeah. But anyway, um, as far as other stuff, I, I did see that it was finally announced that, uh, Zach from Google has left Google podcasts to go to work for, I, I guess, uh, the Robinhood app, the cryptocurrency investment platform. Well, they're more than cryptocurrency. You can do regular, no, yeah, right, right, right. regular investment on it. But I guess he's working on the cryptocurrency part. Oh, the cryptocurrency part. for for the Robinhood app. So he's he's moved on, and I guess uh, Steve McClendon is now kind of the the guy in charge of Google Podcasts now. He's the former co-founder of 60DB, which was bought uh, by Google back in 2017, which was kind of an audio audio platform. I don't know if I've met him or not. I don't think I've met him either, but. But it'd be good to get him on the on the show. I also invited for, and I'm I'm assuming we're doing a show on September 22nd. Um, uh, are you around? So I believe yes. Uh, let me look at the executive calendar here. Yes, I will be around September 22nd. Okay. So I invited uh, Ashley Carmen to to oh. to join us on the show on the 22nd. So she's gonna gonna join us because that's when she takes over as the writer for hot pod. So, wow. She's actually going to come on. We're going to talk about that. So about that and, uh, other stuff. Well, maybe, maybe we can get her to talk to write about Indies. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's the opportunity, uh, to, you know, 
I was going to talk to her at podcast movement, but we didn't wind up catching up, but, um, but you know, having her come on the show, she, she, she's been writing some controversial articles lately in the podcasting space. So, and it, and it looks like, uh, Nick Qua is going to be moving over to being a writer for, um, uh, was it, uh, uh, Vulture, I think, I believe is what it is. What's the name of the platform? Well, she's part of Voxness, so... Or, no, not Voxness, Vox Media. Vox Media, oh, okay. Right, which owns um, The Verge, which is what Ashley was writing for, was The Verge. I mean, so all, what kind all of, of articles... What kind of controversial stuff has she written recently? Um, I, you know... Right off the top of my head, I'm trying, I'm well, trying to remember. We're going to have to do our homework then. Right. Well, as far as, you know, ha- having her on, yeah. I mean, ha- having her join us on the 22nd, definitely. Well, Nick would have never come on this show, so I give her props for coming on this show. Yeah. Well, Nick is going to be writing, I guess, for for Vulture, I believe. Doing is. podcast reviews or something, right? Yeah, exactly. I think someone had said that he had been burned out for writing for his newsletter for a while. So I thought that was kind of curious. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. I saw that too, where they had actually said that he was wanting to exit somehow from, from doing that. Not that he's ever talked about Indies ever anyway. So, you know, it was, it was a newsletter that I largely dismissed. I just deleted it when it came to my inbox, never subscribed because there was no value. Right. So, you know, maybe. Yeah, I think it's interesting that he was kind of exiting that. Um, yeah. And I he, wonder, though, if his growth of his newsletter was kind of plateaued. Well, of course, because, because he, he, he's talked to that bubble in Boston and New York and maybe L.A., and that was it. And so, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not surprised that it plateaued. Public... Yeah, it was very public radio focused is what I would probably be and, more, and, and more then, precise and about. And then it. there was, uh, well, anyway, uh, yeah. so new hands. I just wonder what's going to happen then with that newsletter. It's going to be, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what the tone of it is when it, uh, when it starts coming out again. But, you know, there's been a new newsletter launch too, PodFest. I believe PodFest launched a new newsletter yesterday or today. So okay. how many new podcast newsletters do we need? Rob, maybe you knew, you and I need to be doing a podcast newsletter. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Should we? No. I don't have enough time to breathe. Or maybe we should acquire one. There you go, Todd. <laughs> I think our prospective companies may frown upon that. I know. I agree. I'm just saying. It seems like everybody just acquires people these days. You know, it's funny though, is, is it's no secret that podcasternews.com is site that, you know, basically I fund the, the bloggers over there. I don't even, yeah. you know, I've never, ever, ever directed the, the media flow on that website. So, you know, they, they write about what interests them in the podcasting space and, actually a certain other podcast newsletter guy says, why are you guys always a day or two behind? I'm like, well, you know, we don't have the, uh, the budget and, right. and the Patreon supporters like some other newsletters do, you know, so that's a mm-hmm. in, endeavor that is, you know, underwritten by yours truly. So. 
Yeah. And it's hard to compete, you know, with, with these news editors that are coming out with the, the latest stuff on a daily basis, mm-hmm. you know, like, like what James Cridlin's doing. So, yeah. No, you need you, to do that. You need a full-time paycheck. You know, you really do. And, yeah. uh, you know, and I'm writing my writers, for, paying my writers freelance, you know, so. Yeah, I did a, um, a segment, um, for the, the IAB upfronts that are going to be going live tomorrow and Friday. So what was a pre-recorded segment? Yeah. Yeah. I did an interview with, uh, Danny Pena, um, talking about the, the same type of topics in, we talked about it podcast movement, um, in like a five minute conversation about podcast advertising and engagement and all that kind of, kind of stuff. So that'll be airing as part of the advertise cast, uh, portion of, uh, the IEB upfronts, um, tomorrow afternoon. Yes. That's a fantastic pay. I have to admit it. I have to put it out there. The pay to play event that the IEB puts out. All those are mostly pay to play, right? All, All of the upfront stuff out there. So I just wanted to, we have to, we have to, recognize that it's a pay to play event where companies get to set the agenda and put their agendas forward. So right, right. <laughs> they're That's not, this, they're not designed to be educational. They're designed to be sales pitches. So, <laughs> right. That's true. I mean, at least they're upfront about it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Now, um, speaking of advertised cast, you guys did a little, uh, announcement today that you're going to be, uh, uh, tracking, and providing CPM levels. Now, I was a little disappointed. You guys only have an average CPM of twenty three fifty seven. Now, come on, now. That's average, Todd. That's not peak. So, why are you thinking the average should be higher than that? Yeah, I do. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I think thirty five should be the average. But I guess that means everything has to be between sixty five and twenty five, then, or sixty five and fifteen to get yeah. thirty five, right? Well. I would probably say that it's probably the 80, 20 rule applies, yeah, right? Yeah. So that's, that's why that number is probably at that level. But I'm also hearing programmatic is it's getting in, up there too. pushed up to around 15 on pre-rolls at the high end, about 15. Well, I've heard it's a little higher than that. I've heard some folks are getting, getting closer to 19. Well, that's, now. that's even better on programmatic right. 19, 19 before the cut. So you remove 30%. Right. right. So right. then, then that's 13 back to the podcaster. So. Well, yeah. So yeah. So how it was explained to me, why those numbers on the programmatic are going up is because the, the, there's more brands getting in their auction buying. No, what there is, is there's lack of inventory. Well, that, well, yeah, that's, that's going to contribute to it too. But the more people that are vying for right. that, that, what's left over of inventory, right. Um, that drives the prices up. So, yeah. So it'd be nice, you know, I mean, that's probably 2357 is, you know, it's, it's not an ideal number that we would all like to see hoster reads. Well, we've been, we got sold at right now. Well, we, we got 20 to 25 in 2005. So, right. (laughs) You know, um, being it, that's a, that's a number. Yeah, but, I mean, if you factor in inflation, right, that's not or, a big no. Big, but but 
number. The big yeah. but is if you can sustain a $24 or $25 CPM, that's still mountains above many other digital media pricing points. And if you can have someone renew quarter after quarter or month after month at $24 or $25 CPM, that's uh that's winner winner chicken dinner. That's uh that's full time job money for some right. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Because you just start doing the math, ladies and gentlemen, and you know, you figure if you're running a couple of spots on your show, then multiply that by, you know, per thousand, and it isn't too long. You once you get up to you know, 10,000 or 20,000 listeners, what that can really equate to. Now that's not quit your job money, but that's house payment or car payment money at that point. Right. You know, so it's not much of a stretch to get beyond house payments to, uh, set your own hours. So it's building a show is important and growth. Yeah. And the, the, the listener, the ideal kind of listener level or the amount of downloads, I guess, per, per episode over a four week window that, that you kind of really need to get to is, is around you now 5,000 or so. If you can get to that level, you can start making, making some money on a, on a per episode basis. Yeah. 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 Around right. 5,000. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, some of the bigger platforms like, like, um, the early days of mid roll and, Sitcher, they've actually set numbers like 50,000, which right. basically really limits the the number of shows that can fit within that program. But if you go to the, the Advertised Cast website, it goes into a lot more detail on this stuff too. Like the like it even breaks out 30-second ads at mm-hmm. about $18 CPMs. And so the 60-second ads are, are, are the ones that are a little longer or a little more expensive. So... And then it actually breaks out by, by, by the number of downloads, um, also can drive that as well. So if you have a show that, um, has a hundred thousand plus downloads, the CPMs aren't, aren't always going up. They, they could be going down because it's like a volume by type of type sure. of situation. So s- sometimes the, the smaller shows up to like 10,000 can actually get the higher CPMs. Right. I, I so it depends on how targeted the, the audience is too. So after saying he wouldn't, he does. I just, I I was just kind of blown away today. I got an email from PodFest. The next PodFest event will take place as an in-person event, November 4th and 5th at the LMI Arena in Tampa, Florida. And as a virtual event between October 28th and November 3rd, after he said he would not have an in-person event until next year. No, I've always heard that that he was going to have a in, in-person event in Tampa in November. So I've always heard that. It's just, it's, yeah, it's not, he's not anticipating it as being as big as he would have normally liked an in-person event to be. So he's not setting expectations around that. But the fact that he's holding it in an open air arena, I think it's open well, air. Well, he's, he's helping. Not he's, open air. No, he's ha- having it at the Amalia Arena. And is that a closed arena? Well, he's having it in a VIP, like probably someone's box or something. It's uh-huh. going to be in some suite. 
So it's definitely going to be. I wouldn't know why you would have it outside. Come on. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And he's in Florida. So, you know, it, it, so at this point, so I maybe he's only expecting a small number of people. If he's only, but it just, this is like the third or fourth event he's had this year. I'm just, I just find it. Is there going to be that many people that are, I don't know. I, I, I wish, wish Chris luck, but you know, we're not planning anything with them until next year. And then sadly, one of his events, I think re- overlaps another event that we're scheduled for in, in, uh, in May. Yeah. The, the next kind of in-person flagship live event is May 26th through the 29th, 2022. So that'd be spring of next year in Orlando, but yeah. you're right, Todd, he's got these other events that he's, he's trying to do as well. He's doing the, a virtual session starts you know, like his website, the way it flashes through. Oh, so actually the other event that's in Orlando is May 15th to the 18th. So I just may have to go to Florida and stay down in Florida for May. Let me look at 2022. So October 28th and 29th is session one of the virtual and then the virtual and then the screen overlays. Okay, here it goes. Uh, the virtual session two is November 1st through the 3rd. And the in-person event is November 4th through the 5th. And so the next event, yeah, so I have an event May 15th to May 18th in Orlando. And his next event is what, May 25th through? Uh, Well, the virtual side starts. No, no, we're talking about the 2022 event. Oh, yeah, okay, that one is. So he's calling this one that's in Tampa, a podcast origins, right? Tampa is what it's called. So it's, it's something different than yeah. his other event. Um, uh, but that one is what, uh, May 26th through the 29th. Yeah. So I got two, uh, two, two events back to back in Orlando. So I guess I'll just be staying in Orlando for two weeks. That's okay. I can see my daughter. She's in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Oh, she is. Yep. So I guess May's going to be a busy next year, going to be a busy month. And then what I can't. So here's the next thing. When when is podcast out? When's podcast movement Los Angeles? That's in May. (laughs) Also, I believe. Oh, boy. Let's see. Um, Podcast. What's the date Uh, on that? I was bringing that up. So. Hopefully it's not overlighting. Evolutions twenty two is oh it's in March, so we're going March, March, we're going right. early. <laughs> Get away from the cold. So that's right. So March, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's going to be the end of March. Yeah, twenty three, twenty six. So, so I guess early it, spring. So early not spring. So so far I don't have any overlapping conflicts yet, but. Right, and then Podcast Movement uh, is back in Dallas again, yep. August 23rd through the 26th. There's no conflicts there. Yeah, I might be going out to Dallas, uh, <clears throat> out to Austin at the end of October as well. So another event oh. up there. Stuff is just popping up. People are getting, you know, here's the thing. It's good because right. it's nothing, there, nothing beats, you know, doing the elbow or the right. fist bump and a rare handshake now at these events it's just the have people be able to come up and say hey this is what we're looking for this is you know what we need 
and having that 10 minute conversation and, and coming back and, you know, and going, you know, starting the sales process. It works, it works good. So, um, and matter of fact, I, I sent Lori an email yesterday and mm-hmm. because it's just going to be Libsyn and Blueberry at, at NAB, I said, NAB, right. I said, you know, had some ideas Let's we got to figure out how to get traffic to our area. So right. maybe do a little collab together to get people to come to the podcast area for, for NAB and you create know, our own little, um, kind of like pavilion marketing yeah. experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sure. Because. Otherwise, you know, we're stuck out in the South 40 for that event, the corner, you know, up in the corner of North Hall and how, how in God's name are people going to be able to find us based on the location we're at this year? I don't know. Right. So, but we, we downed the number. We're just two of us. I'm only taking one other person to NAB because of the, I just don't think the attendance is going to be that high and it's going to be hard to work that shit because that's a 10 hour, those are 10 hour days in the booth. So. Yeah, I'm going to be doing <clears throat> doing the show with Rob Walsh only, so it'll just be just he be and I you together two. doing it. Yeah. Right. So, are we speaking? Do we have anything new on that? Uh yeah, um, yeah. So we're we're going to be doing doing a session. Um, Dan hasn't got us the details on that yet, so but, we don't yeah. know what we're speaking on. We're speaking. <laughs> yeah, he goes. He goes. You guys are going to have a spot there. You know, I just haven't heard back from him on it yet. So we have a so. topic. We'll just, you know, we'll just go. It's, it's going to be like a state of the podcasting oh, okay. kind of thing. That's cool. So it'll be probably pretty easy for us. I mean, he figures that, you know, we do that stuff all the time. So it's not a. So Rob, um, my team just texted me and they did. Yep. And let me make sure I'm logged into the right account. I'm going to, sh- oh, you can't see the screen. Nope. Oh, well, uh, tough for you then. I guess you'll have to go look at the replay. Um, We just launched our our new dashboard. Oh, congratulations. So, yeah. And let me see if I can get the right account. Don't want to, because I show this off. Let's see here. And let me pick an account that has no stats. I could try and pull it up on Facebook or something. Okay, let me see here. Um, yeah, I can show this. This is a this this up oh, whoops 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 wrong button five six. Oh, I can't see it very good. Hang on here. What's going on with the? Oh, there we go. That's bizarre. But anyway, for those of you watching, that's an eyeball of what our new dashboard looks like. The stats okay, I can at, see it now, Todd. I can see it now. The stats on this isn't populated because I've, um, I'm on not, I'm not on a show that uh, <clears throat> has stats. Just a little, little testing account. Yeah. So there she be. That's awesome. What, that's what she looks like, and uh, lots of uh, lots of hard work went into uh, to getting that, that together. You know. Yeah. So looks nice. That's for sure. So this is a blueberry 2.0. <laughs> so this allows you just, just to get access to stats or is oh, it it's, full, it's everything. Full, it's full, full publishing too. Yeah. Full publishing. Yeah. We have, again, we have people that are publishing on, 
you know, they just have a landing page. So this is the publisher for those that uh, probably 30% of our clients just have a landing page on Blueberry. So mm -hmm. they come over and publish on that platform. Those that are on WordPress, PowerPress, they'll do their own thing. But this gets access. The stats, new stats is coming in a couple of months. We've got the first MVP mm -hmm. designed. They're building it. Now I'm working on MV2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7 for stats. And um, so, yeah, pretty excited. Uh, to we, We've had this in beta for a week. So um, it's... Uh, it's it's one of those things that you know now the team gets to celebrate a little bit because they've they've got it out, yeah. And our onboarding stuff was taken care of, and it's been hugely successful. And get some we can get someone to the create first episode in two minutes. So from the time they say I want to be a podcaster and click the start button, good, yeah. Make it easy, get, the easy button. Get people to sign up quick is good. Yeah. <clears throat> So are you all getting um, fired up for uh, for your awards uh, coming up as part of International Podcast Day? You know, is that happening this year? It there? is. There's no Well, I'm going to do the awards solo because the International Podcast Day team is not doing a 24-hour event. Right. So, yeah, I'm going to be doing, uh, doing the, uh, the awards solo on a regular schedule. Matter of fact, I haven't even, we sent out another email to the voters an automated email a couple of days ago said reminder to vote. So voting wraps up in about five days or so. And then for me, that's when the real work starts. And, uh, to that countdown on September 30th, where we do the, uh, do the award ceremony. So lots of moving pieces here, uh, starting about, I'll have a busy couple of weeks getting ready for the, the actual award ceremony. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Looks like you're getting te you're getting you're getting texted during the show, Rob. You seem a you <laughs> well. No, I'm trying to find out you know what the exact data is for the Ambi Awards that are coming up uh, next year too, and I believe it's the 27th. I believe, but it could be the the day before. I think it could be the 20. Oh, out in L.A. Right, second, right, out in L.A. I think we changed it from the 27th to the 22nd of um of March. Gotcha. But there is, you know, I think what we're starting to see continued and the, the little stories I was watching and is that there is still continuing to be some consolidation going on. People making deals, people being acquired, mm -hmm. horse trading of employees. Um, so a bit of that going on. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I don't think it's surprising. I had a call the uh, day before yesterday and a lot of people are curious to see what's happening in this space and who's available to be bought and not. And just lots of that continues to happen. So I, I'm, you know, you guys have already made two acquisitions this year. You guys going to do about three or four more. I'm sure you guys got the bandwidth to handle that. Well, you know, I can't say anything about that too much in detail, but, um, but that's, I, I think we have our hands full with what we have right now. Todd. <laughs> So. Yeah, future future facing statements cannot be made because right, you get right. the SEC think, after yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, I think we need to turn turn what we have into gold before we can take uh, on any, anything too new. So, yeah, so right. Clubhouse has jumped the shark with seven hundred thousand rooms. So, yeah, good luck breaking out over there. <laughs> 
don't know. It's interesting the 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 whole social audio space, how it's kind of um, fizzled out a little bit. I think I think it was doing well when we were in the middle of the lockdowns, right, and the pandemic, right, right. and so people weren't able to get out as much. Um, but it does seem like uh, Clubhouse is not as cool of a place, but but they're still doing a lot of stuff. They're doing seven hundred thousand rooms. It's a lot. It's a lot of stuff going on over there. And then Amazon is even talking about building a clubhouse <laughs> type of experience too, but focus more on live music. So Amazon is definitely getting more and more involved in uh, live stuff. Well, <clears throat> good. <laughs> because I'm going to tell you, it, from Dragon Con, you know, that whole audience, they're doing live as well. Most of those, a lot of those folks are on Twitch. And, right. um, I learned something that Twitch is about, if you're making any money with Twitch. You can't do any kind of secondary streams. You're not allowed to, if you're doing, if you're, if you're making money with Twitch, you have to be exclusive to their platform. You can't just, can't be on YouTube. You can't be on Facebook live. You can't be on Twitter. You have to do it all on Twitch. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that was something I wasn't aware of. I thought was kind of interesting. Um, but the session I gave there is essentially a remixed one of the one I gave at podcast movement and similar type of questions kept coming back about, mm -hmm. you know, search engine optimization and, you know, finding shows, episodes, talking about YouTube and the Twitch people, they're kind of in a unique thing. They're kind of like, when you say SEO to a Twitch person, they kind of cock their head because they really don't have much SEO on Twitch except for, you know, you, you have to direct people to your Twitch site. You have to, you know, they, mm -hmm. I think they have it harder than anybody for getting traction within the Twitch ecosphere. They can be found, of course, no problem, but I don't know. I'm again, we're, we're live on Twitch, but you know, we're lucky to have one people watch just over there. <laughs> it's definitely not a gaming experience here on the show. No, 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 not at all. But, uh, I thought I keep keep hearing about this uh, this show that's supposed to happen in uh, London the the podcast show twenty twenty two. Well, if London ever really opens up again, that's that's actually <laughs> May twenty fifth through the twenty sixth. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, that's that's that that. Oh, lovely. So which event does that conflict with? Is that that's uh, pod that's podfest. That's podfest, right? Uh, yeah. Man. Well, yeah. you and I might be in Europe. We might have other members and I don't know. I don't know if this this event is worth going to or not. I think it's still Which one? This the, event. The podfest this, event or the Europe event? The it's the Europe event. The the podcast show 2022. Uh, May 25th through the 26th. It's actually, I don't know if we talked about it on the show before, but it's supposed, supposedly a whole week long festival in London. So, mm. um, but the conference is a two day conference. It's in the middle of the festival that goes on for the whole week. Um, how but many, yeah, how many trade show days is it going to be? Just two, two days. That's a long ways to go just for two days for a trade show. I would agree. I would agree. I 
I think it's maybe a little short-sighted of, of them to think that they're going to have a big draw from the U.S. to this event uh, w- with such a short conference. If if they had the sessions and the trade show, just like any other event where it's over three days, mm-hmm. then if you have the opportunity to speak, again, no guarantees, but if you have an opportunity to to speak and then you have three days of trade shows, two full days and a half, then it's dual purpose. You, you, you know, you, you get to go and, and educate and you get to go and, and I, I can justify that, you know, right. but if it's just two days to sit in a booth, maybe not. Well, there's quite a few companies that are on their sponsor list right now. The lead sponsor right now, Spotify. And- of course. And the other official partners are Acast, the the BBC and Global and Audio Boom, Marshall, Triton, Sure. Uh, let's see any others that pop out of here. Um, Riverside is in here. Captivates in there. That all makes sense. Yeah, because um, they're all they're all in the UK. They're all yeah. Adswiz is there. Uh, looks like Heil Sound's going to be there. Megaphone's going to be there. Dolby is going to be there. Yeah. Those are, there's not a, I don't see any other podcast hosting companies other than Megaphone and, and Acast. Well, you've got Captivate. And I guess Spotify too. And, like, and Captivate. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah. But most of those are not U.S. based. Well, I'll be, I'll be the first to, the Dragon Con folks had, attendees had really nothing positive to say about Spotify. I found that to be really curious. Interesting. Like, like what, just, what was their main kind of comment commentary about it? Again, most of these folks are multifaceted creators. They're doing live like we are. They're doing podcasts. They're doing, you know, they're building communities and the, you can't build a community on SoundCloud. Right. So community building for them was big. Yeah. And they can build a community on Twitch and YouTube. They can't build a community, you know, and podcast community maybe on their own website as well. But super creative, you know, that the folks that it's just like, you know, when we went to PodCon, it's the same type of super mm-hmm. creative people. I sat through one session, I was kind of like, I learned more. You know, because I sat in the back room like we did last time, and I hung out and talked to podcasters. But the they had an hour just talking about Cinderella, and about you know different variations of Cinderella, and you know the, the origins, and you know, mm-hmm. and I, and I'm just like, wow, <laughs> you know, it's a, you know, it's not something I've thought twice about in 25 years on is Cinderella, you know. But no. No. you know, when I had small kids, put it on for, you know. At that time, it was probably the VHS tape, not even a D- yeah, probably DVD. <laughs> so, if you wanted to go go read more about that show that we're talking about in in London <clears throat> next year, the the domain name is thepodcastshowlondon.com. I'm surprised they're not reaching out. I haven't heard from them since last year. Yeah, I did a call with them like maybe two weeks ago. Oh, and. Well, yeah. 
do tell anything of interest nothing i mean it's just like what i've talked about they're expecting um about five to six thousand people at the conference um but about twenty thousand people across the whole week at the festival because they're going to have a bunch of live podcasts on stage is what the plan is so it's not a whole lot different than the the event that I went to up at the Vancouver podcast festival, um, back in 2019, I think is when I went to that one last. Um, and that one had like, um, live podcasts going on at theaters around Vancouver. And then there were various venues that had, uh, actual panel sessions going on. By the time you pay for airfare, shipping, booth cost, that's going to be a 10 or $12,000 bill minimum. Yeah. And that's if you just send one person, you send two, you add another 4k to that. And I'm not sure that a two day event is worth it. I'm not sure that they really thought that through. What was, did they react to your feedback on that? I didn't give any feedback on that at that moment. Um, I just was gathering some information about what they were doing. And then I, yeah, I don't know that there's been a lot of interest um, in it, even though, and now with the timing of it, um, mm-hmm. go, go, going up against PodFest, yep. um, it's even going to make it harder. It's going to make it really hard. Yeah. Yep. So well, did PodFest probably, did, did he know that that was the date of that event? Probably didn't care, did he? I don't think that this, this event has done a really good job of <clears throat> making sure that the whole industry are, is aware of what's, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, um, so maybe I could, I could invite them to come on the show or whatever and talk about what they're doing. Yeah, but, it's sounds like it's going to become more of a you know. And don't get me wrong, the European, the EU, and of course, it's important. It's yeah. an important base of podcasters. Right. I'm not trying to downplay no. it, play its importance, but oftentimes they are seen. Those events are seen kind of at a arm's length, um, and I'm not. You know, I'm not always sure why that's the case. It just seems to be that way. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, it certainly shouldn't be. I think as an industry and, and I, I just have to give James Cridlin credit for this. He's, he's been able to create a newsletter that's spanned the globe mm-hmm. on this, on this podcasting space. I mean, it was something that I was, I saw firsthand when I was working for Spreaker, right? Cause I was the first employee us based kind of employee for for speaker for many years um so i was like the only one here <laughs> right everybody else was in europe so i i definitely saw that that discrepancy i guess between how the, the us podcast community sees the the global podcast community it's and, and it does kind of re- reflect a little bit of the of the us culture um to some degree and how it views anything outside of the u.s so, it's not always good so yeah. you you remember uh chuck and craig chuck tomasi and craig step you remember yep. those two so yep. we were post dragon con i i we just happened up and be in the same restaurant together i was sitting up the bar and i don't know i was getting some nachos or something and they were in the back with uh with clinton from comedy forecast and a few others and Mm-hmm. Um, Craig stepped to the bar and I saw him and I went back and for a little bit we talked and the, um, 
Craig has an interesting domain name. Uh, he owns podcastfoundation.org and .com. Oh, really? And um, I talked to Craig quite a little bit. Well, not a lot of it, a little bit about, you know, there's in this space, <laughs> there may be room for someone to, you know, start an organization. It's a couple of, you know, that's kind of front. A couple of them have tried and failed. <clears throat> and I think the Podcast Academy, kind of frankly, Rob, has moving's too slow. Um, and I don't know if it's in their charter, but you know, this discussion about creator rights and creator representation. And so well, let's be clear about really what, what the, the purpose of the podcast Academy and its formation originally I think there's expectations that it could be more mm -hmm. than it is. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the, the organization is, is really focused on just being an awards thing, mostly, um, creating, you know, getting much beyond that is a heavy lift <clears throat> for that. In addition to, to doing that. Um, so it's hard to do a lot of stuff unless you have a lot of resources as we've talked about before. So being, being focused about what you're doing is, is important. And that's, that's why probably this conversation Todd that you're, you're raising here is an important one because I'm not sure that the expectations of what the podcast Academy um, can do matches up with its own charter of what it sees itself wanting to do. Um, so, so if we want to move towards a different um, goal, I think a different organization is probably what's needed. Yeah. So that said, you know, I, I told Craig, I said, this can't be done by Todd, Rob, Rob, or any of the other no. faces. Um, I mean, I'd be happy to be involved in it. But, right. Yeah, right. And, you know, we, and, you know, I think they are, you know, it's kind of funny. They hadn't listened to our discussion on the show prior about formation and, you know, coalescing together as a group and mm -hmm. becoming a union of sorts. And, uh, so, but they'd had their own conversation about that. Uh, of course. Um, and I told Craig, I said, you know, maybe, maybe you're the person, maybe you and Chuck. And of course, you know, Chuck, give me the look, they're both employed. They all have full-time great jobs. Matter of fact, they work at the right. same company. So, right. you know, I told Craig, I says, but just like anything else, there's going to be people with agendas and it's going to take a lot of money. And I think that if the charter was set correctly, so I gave him a couple of names and some resources out there. Gordon, uh, I gave him your name. <laughs> so, you know, hopefully Craig reaches out to you, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I think there is, um, and I'm talking about Gordon Firemark. Um, I think that there is an opportunity if a charter is written correctly, and the key is getting the charter written. Now that's the first step, and yeah. figuring out how to be inclusive, and figuring out how to be diverse, and figuring out how to be, you know, not not some good old boys club or good old companies club. I guess that's probably the better word to use. Um, and being able to, 
So I don't know. I don't know if he'll take me up on the challenge. It was just something that came up in passing. And I, what I was kind of, what really kind of surprised me was that they'd had similar conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it quickly gets back to sources of funding. You know, I think right. one of the reasons why we see organizations form like they have um, and not unlike what we've seen happen with the podcast Academy, I think it's a good example, um, is that it takes resources, Todd, and sure. you've been saying this for a long time. And, um, oftentimes you can't build an organization entirely on the back of independent content creators, right? Cause there's not a lot of financial resources that are there that can be invested. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's the challenge that any organization like this is going to face is that, you know, if the charter is in a position that is opposition to um, people yeah. that have resources. That's right. <laughs> then, then you're then you have a steep uphill climb, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's unfortunately the the reality of it. Which means that the independent creators would have to um, be be willing to pony up some support. So, you know, what's it going to take, you know, if you think about it from a dollar and cents point and, uh, let me do a little, uh, high school math here. Right. Um, let's say we need to raise half million dollars and let's say that's going to employ three people to pay for one lawyer and two people on staff for the first year. I think that's about a right number. I think that's about. And you're going to have a, probably have an office. You're going to have some overhead. You think half a million will do it? Don't I don't know that you need an office. Um, well, okay. I, let's say you don't need an office. Yeah. So yeah, let's say a hundred thousand dollars each for for salaries. Let's just you know papers a hundred thousand dollars. Well, let's just think a hundred thousand for salaries each. Yeah. Because right. by the time you have benefits and all that stuff. You know, you're, you're maybe the salary is 80 grand, but it's still going to cost you a hundred grand for the employee. So let's say 200 and then another, you know, if you get a little pro bono work or get, you're going to need 150, 200,000 for the lawyer. Um, so let's see a lot of, yeah, I guess it depends on what the charter is or what you're trying to accomplish. Cause there, there could be expenses that are far beyond just right. employee costs. Right. Um, let's say you're, you're investing to have research done or you're investing to build a, a technology platform to enable bringing the, the industry together, you know, like, mm-hmm. a, you know, so there's investment in infrastructure that has to be made not, uh, over and above right. what you would do with employees. Um, yeah. So, you know, on, let's just say it's half a million for the first year. Right. You know, and, it, and let's say the entry point for membership is basic about what the podcast academy is. Let's say it's a hundred bucks. That's still 5,000 podcasters a year to get to 500 K. Now I, in the beginning, the first year, I don't think you can get 5,000 podcasters. I, I just don't think you can. I think you might get 1500, maybe 2000, but you're right. not going to get 5,000 the first year. Um, yeah, I think you, I think you really have to have a organization that's very focused on grassroots benefits. And I think that, um, that's what the podcast Academy has. It's, it's charter was set up to have the board members be the initial investors. Right. 
um, with a, what's called a give get, which means that each of the board members contributes to the pot of money that right. is available to pay for that staff. And then hopefully membership comes in over time and sure. then you can um, sell sponsorships to the, the awards uh, activity and revenue can come in from various sources. You can't really rely on just one source of revenue. Mm-hmm. Um especially an organization like this is go- is going to need some seed money. It's going to need money to uh, pay for the creation of a, maybe a 501c3 or, <clears throat> or like, like you say, get, get attorneys in there, get staff in there that can actually do stuff on well, a daily I, basis. Well, yeah, look, as you form it just like the IAB, you make it a money-making organization, <laughs> you know, that, that, right. el- that eliminates tens of thousands of dollars in costs right off the bat. <laughs> you know, because, but it, but it really gets back to what the charter of the organization true. is. What's the purpose of the organization? What's the goals of the organization? If the goals of the organization is to be an independent podcast group, right? That's going to probably, um, you know, a, a lot of the bigger companies in the medium aren't probably going to want to support no, that. I so, don't think so. Right. So it's going to have to be a grassroots kind of organization. But if, if the charter is aggressive enough and the, and the first goal is enough, right. You know, so 5,000 may not be a hard number to reach, but you got to have every podcast newsletter. You got to have everyone on board and promoting membership. And then you've got a short time. You've got maybe two years on the clock to get something really going. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in order to sustain the engine and start becoming a voice right in an appropriate way for independent podcast creators and you may have to make it a for profit thing too because, well, that's what i'm saying um, right because cuz you know if you can go out and get invest investment in it um i think you have a a better chance of being able to weather that launch window um, versus trying to, trying to rely on membership, um, at the very beginning, I, I think is going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Yeah. And again, if the goal is, is to huddle up and have a voice, then these big companies like Spotify, they're not going to want a organization. Amazon's not, not going to want content creators organizing. Pandora no. is not. Because ultimately, yeah. the goal is what's the goal? We want the same. We want the same rights as uh, music artist, yep. and we want paid for our content. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I'm at this point. I'm pretty convinced this is something that potentially has to happen sooner than later. Well, I'm not saying that every company in the podcasting medium, uh, every larger company in the podcasting medium would kind of ignore this. I think that, that there are pockets in this industry that would support it. Um, I just would say that there wouldn't necessarily be a, a lot of deep pockets mm-hmm. um, that would be willing to invest a lot of money in this. But I do think that there that there is companies like yours and mine um, that have an interest in the independent community and want to see it thrive. Um, we're not part of, 
you know, the, the, the listening platforms kind of dominance of the medium and taking over, it kind of gets back to my article that I wrote about my concern about, you know, this content exclusivity, which it doesn't necessarily always play into the advantage of the content creator. But let's, let's go and just flip this back to the beginning of the show in within this context. So let's say, let's say Spotify's had enough and kicks Joe Rogan to the curb. Let's say that happens just hypothetically. Then that would be, that would be a nice boost to this movement. (laughs) Well, because what it says is uh, once again, that the medium has, is the last bastion of free speech, whether you like it or not. And if corporate pressure is at a point where shows like Joe's and he can't be controversial and say what he thinks he wants to say, or he can't do what he wants without, see, this is the challenge of having a sponsor too. I've got a sponsor for my regular show, right? right? And, um, I'm mindful of content. Of course, it very rarely, anything that they do very rarely comes up that would, you know, but there was a few times in their past <laughs> that some things happened that we had some challenges with, but mm-hmm. you have, when you, when, when you're getting money, this is the problem with all the news, the news, the major media, they're all beholden to pharmaceuticals. They're beholden to politicians. They're, they're, they're beholden to their sponsors and they mm-hmm. can't ruffle feathers too much. They can't say, well, why or how come or this study or this happened? They have to, right. they have to segregate the content that they talk about. And when podcasters are muzzled, then there's the train. And when podcasters are muzzled, then there is a degradation of content in the space. So, yeah, if Joe was kicked to the curb, it would be just like YouTube saying now, and now you have to have a million listener minutes before you can make money. It's the same concept. Or someone changing a policy. I'm not saying Joe's going to get kicked to the curb, but boy, I tell you, if he, if he makes it through all this with all the stuff he said, then that tells me that Spotify's for their own credit has pretty thick skin in, in the environment that we live today. <laughs> yeah he's he's uh you know he was brought on because of he's his ability to generate controversy and audiences um but yeah i i mean at some point it may just become not something that's tenable after it happens so many times um well i don't know i don't know we'll see we'll see and I'm hoping that uh, that Joe survives it, you know. <laughs> well, but really? He's good. Well, <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and I, I don't want any see anyone hurt financially, but Joe's going to be fine with or without Spotify. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, he's going to he be was, fine. <laughs> I think he probably would have done better without Spotify. That's so, my own opinion. But yeah, you know, it's hard to turn down a hundred million dollars. Come on now. 
it's well, it's guaranteed, right? Yeah. So, somebody comes right. to us, hey, Todd, Rob, $100 million, come over to Spotify. I'm like, okay. <laughs> what we don't know is how, I mean, well, let's just say the the truth is we don't really know what the deal is. No. One thing. No. This is all speculation. It is. It's speculation. We don't know how long the deal is either. Maybe it was, you know, a three-year deal. Who knows? Or a four-year deal. Right, we have right. no idea. Um, I can't imagine uh, it being more than two. Yeah. Right. But yeah. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I, I think this, you know, and when Craig said he had that domain name, I was like, Oh, I said, that's perfect. And he said, well, what about if I lease it to someone or, you know, donate it? I said, you have to be very, very careful who you give that or lease that to. You have to make sure that, you know, it's your, it's your property, but you have to, you have to choose, you know, who would be the, the best keeper. And if they, if they, you know, I've had people come to ask by, you, I've, you know, I've got, I've got 400 plus podcast domains. So I've had people want to buy certain domains. That's what are you going to use it for? And we put it in writing and oftentimes they won't. So I said, I'm not selling mm-hmm. it. I'm not selling a domain because you're going to be marketing against me with a domain that I used to own. Right. Right. That's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> so. Well, Todd, I mean, what would you say would be the, the core reason for starting an organization like that now, given how things have changed? Is it the aggregation of, of podcasters into a collective of sorts or, is it um, coming up with best practices like advertising standards? Or is it best practices, you know, around monetization? I don't think so. I think, you don't uh, think so? There's there, everyone. Is it just a union kind of thing? Or? I, I don't like to call it a union, but an organized coalition. <laughs> organized co- coalition that has, that's charged with what you think might be the the charter of it. Right. So I, you know, if I was to write it, it would be coalition. It's basically a coalition to protect and to advocate for podcast, independent podcasters rights and somehow fit in the, the angle. We will have to go back and look at like the charters. If there are such a thing for, the RIAA, which I really don't like that organization, but, you know, ASCAP, BMI, we have to go back and look at how, what, what the, what their goal was, you know, because each of those groups represent a different party in, mm-hmm. in music. You know, some, the, some is for the artist, some is for the songwriter, some is, you know, there's, it runs the gamut. Right. So, right. And I know this is blasphemy. If I was talking about this in 2005, I'd be, you think, you think I was getting blasted before about ideas, you know, but guess what? Those ideas in 2005 are pretty mainstream now. So I guess maybe it's going to take me 10 years to get this thing going or you and I both to get this thing going, but someone's got to, uh, you know, we're going to continue to move forward. No problem as independent podcasters. There's not going to, there's not this threat of us going away, but right. if we want to 
Well, other people are getting rich off the backs of our content. Stockholders, investors, yeah. platforms. They get all they don't get anything else for free. What else do they get for free? Nothing. Nothing. They don't get they don't get ebooks for free. They don't get television programming for free. They don't get movies for free. They don't get books for free. They don't get music for free. They don't get anything for free. They pay a percentage, whether it be on sales or whatever. They don't get nothing for free. What do they get for free? They Mm -hmm. get podcasts for free. Now, YouTube, YouTube, unless you pay them, you have to watch ads. Mm -hmm. All right. So YouTube is kind of in the middle of this, but the content creators over there have the same opportunities to make money as like podcasters do. So really in the end, YouTubers and podcasters are somewhat similar and that we're independent content creators and we're, yes, we want exposure. It's a, it's a give and take thing in YouTube. You you get free. Everything's free at YouTube. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you pay the piper in order to be on those platforms. So I, I guess it's a, you know, if you're a successful podcaster, you've got 50,000, 100,000 listeners, you probably don't want to talk to Todd because, you know, you, you're doing okay on your own. But there is 98% of the rest of the batch out here right? that thank you for your content and I'll go shut up, sit in the corner. Yeah, I was just uh, scanning through the NAB show.com website. And I've oftentimes thought about the, the analogy of the NAB to this organization that we're, we're potentially talking about. Um, and is, is there, is there a mapping for, for that to something for the podcast industry to learn from, um, that could be applied over, over with us. But I do wonder if there's a different there's a different agenda that's needed than what the NAB does. NAB is membership is made up of broadcast companies. Right. Okay. Broadcast companies that are making billions of dollars. Billions. So, so would like an independent, um, music association? Well, if you think, if you think about it, who, if you have, if you're an actor, you're protected. You, 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 usually you're part of a union for being an actor and you're guaranteed certain, if you're, if it depends on the, where you're on the tier scale, if you're an extra, you usually guaranteed certain amount of money to be an extra. There's all the things that talent mm-hmm. usually gets paid for. And in the broadcast world, that's, that's all baked in. That's all part of a big ecosystem. They've had what, 50 years. How long's television been around? You know, radio has been around, what, a hundred years now, whatever radio has been around. I don't know. Don't quote me. I have no clue what the actual, how long since they, you know, I think it was what in the fifties. So so it's been, so it's not, so they've had time to evolve. We're 16 years in 17, actually 17. And we're now just starting to think about this two years ago. We weren't really thinking about maybe we, you and I were had inclinations of what maybe we should do, but mm-hmm. in all honesty, it's to me, it's become more apparent as content has become more. And when people say, you know, and I should have learned this 
10 years ago when I came, went to NAB and someone said, uh, you know, I'll pay you for your inventory. And I told him, well, that inventory is all available for free via RSS feeds. And people looked at me like I was like, a, like I had a snake head or something. It's just like, what? You know, it was almost like, how can that be impossible? Yeah. Todd, I was just looking at, I, I, I was thinking of this because I mentioned uh, the analogy. Is there another analogy to what we were looking mm -hmm. for? Um, and I did go look at sound exchange which I thought was an interesting thing to look at in the context of what we're talking about. And I did go to, this is at soundexchange.com and they do have an area talking about advocacy, mm. right? And that's, that's one of the charters of sound exchange. And it says sound exchange defends the rights of music creators to ensure nothing comes between you and the money you've earned in Congress, the executive branch and the courts, sound exchange is working to ensure all music creators are paid fairly for their work. See, we have no, oh, want to get deeper? Maybe one of the charters yeah. is, is that we have a lobbyist in Congress that lobbies for <clears throat> podcast creator royalty payments. Dun, dun, mm -hmm. dun. The model's a little different, but see, music artists are, protected by law and the copyright office. So YouTubers aren't podcasters aren't because what do we not have? We don't have a foundation. We don't have an organization that has went out there and said, look at these 400,000 content creators. They're creating all this great content, putting it out there. It's being used for free in trade for being on a platform. Mm -hmm. But yet, they're being monetized around them. So it's a different cell. Right. Whereas you have to have the volume though, in order to make this successful, you have to have 50, a hundred thousand active podcasters say, Nope, we won't be on platform X we will remove ourselves from platform X, just like, Hey, you know what? When, uh, YouTube TV makes a deal with, uh, you know, X, Y, Z network, mm -hmm. they're often are removed. Those channels are removed <clears throat> from, you've heard it. We've heard it all before. They've been removed while yeah. negotiations are going on for the payment of that network and access to that content. Right. Why can't that model work for us? Why can't it? I definitely yeah. got to wear a bulletproof vest to the next event. Why, why, <laughs> why can't it? It, it? it shouldn't be no different. If it, okay, so if 100,000 podcasters say, well, we're not going to be on Spotify. And Spotify says, so what? Then that's telling in itself. They say, bye-bye. We don't need you. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then what does every podcaster do that's not on Spotify? And Amazon comes saying, we'll, we'll, we want you. Here's the check. The check for 100,000 podcasters for royalty rights and be able to pay a little bit of for our playtime is a rounding error for them. Right. So, so the other 
potential analogy to what we're talking about here too. I was, I was just, I went to go visit the audio publishers association, mm-hmm. which is another or- organization that's kind of in our realm to some degree. It's, it's really f- more focused on audiobook publishers, but and as I've raised this topic with, uh, Michelle Cobb, who's the executive director for the podcast Academy, as well as the executive director of the audio publishers association. So mm. she's actually leading both of these organizations. Um, their, their mission statement over at the audio publishers association is a non, a not-for-profit trade organization that advocates the common collective business interest of audio publishers. The APA consists of audio publishing companies and suppliers, distributors, and retailers of spoken word products and allied fields related to the production, distribution, and sale of audiobooks. Hmm. Yeah. So I, it's. But audiobooks have had a model from the beginning of you pay me for my work. You know? Yeah. So that, the, and and they they've been it's been a fairly small industry right. uh, with few large company players that have participated in it. Um, it's not as diverse as the podcasting space, I don't believe. Though I would say that the audio and I've had this conversation with, with Michelle to some degree is that once the the subscription engines started to show up in like Spotify and Apple, um, the the distinction between audiobooks and podcasting is starting to blur. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't so, know. It's, there are some analogies out there of existing organizations so, that might give us a roadmap. So can we get a hundred thousand rebels? You think it's possible? That's what it's going to take. 50,000, a hundred thousand rebel podcasts to say, sign me up. I'm in. I mean, I just wonder, Todd, if it's even possible to reach everybody in this medium with any kind of message. Because hmm. it's so, it's so um, dispersed, right? Well, uh, if we get, uh, let's say we get Blueberry, Libsyn, Podbean, Buzzsprout. Who right. else? Who else could we get to join the party here? rss.com there's um, a lot of kind of newer hosting platforms that would probably participate but they they don't bring a lot of shows but it doesn't matter you know a thousand right. here five thousand there two thousand right. here that's right. that's what we need right. and you get enough of that you know them getting help if the foundation would be formed and the the messaging was right and got all that ready there right. could be a gr- groundswell of work Right. Now, someone that's making money, it's a real, you know, let's say you're a, a big podcaster and, you, and 20% of your audience is on Spotify and you're already got an advertiser and you're making revenue for them and you tell them, hey, come over here and join this group and uh, we will represent you to have your content, You but you have to come off Spotify in the interim. And they're going to say, no, they're not going to give up 20% revenue. So therein lies the other challenge too, is can you get enough heavy hitters? Cause that's what it's going to take. It's going to take, it's going to take, uh, 40,000 
or 49,000 small shows, and it's going to take 1,000 heavy hitters to make this. Because you have to, you, what has to happen is the people being pulled off have to make such an appreciable difference of listening hours on those platforms that they acquiesce and pay. You have to make, if, if 100 shows came and said, we're leaving, Spotify is going to say, see ya. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> Go away. You know, but if, if they were all heavy hitter shows and maybe who knows, maybe the heavy hitter shows are all part of networks and then networks would say, no, 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 we need that revenue. So maybe this is a pipe dream. Yeah. I went and also looked up, um, an organization that might exist or does exist actually on the independent film side. Mm. Um, it is another one that's called filmindependent.org. Um, they have a, a charter. We help filmmakers make their movies, build an audience for their projects and work to diversify the film industry um, by putting on 250 annual screening events around the country. Um, so that's kind of I've a... I've been to a few film screenings in the past and, you know, it's always feels like a you get special treatment to go in and see something or a, a short or something that is being featured someplace. It's really cool to do that. And, you know, that's what part of a South by Southwest is about too. So right. there isn't a perfect analogy. So to, we get lots of heavy hitters listening in here. Some right. of you're like cringing right now because you're like, stop. So what, where where in lies your thoughts? Is this possible, or am I just you know Rob and I just talking over? Our, you know, you think there's the herding cats part? I'll be first to admit I don't know if you get fifty thousand podcasters to do anything. Well, yeah, I think that's that's the challenge. Is that, <laughs> I mean, even the largest newsletter, you know, the Pod News right now is only reaching what twenty thousand people right. in the industry. That's so, true. so how do you get a collective message out to everyone in the industry? I'm not, I don't even know if it's physically possible. You um, buy lots of advertising. <laughs> you would have to. Yeah. And I think that that's, and, but, but there has to be a strong enough message that mm -hmm. actually would inspire yep. uh, a word of mouth. Right. I think that's probably the only way mm -hmm. to reach the, even the 200,000 plus yeah. active shows, right, right. That are in this medium. Right. Cause there's so many shows that operate kind of independent of the podcasting industry. Um, they just do their thing and don't really get involved too much. Um, so I, you know, tr trying to corral this, this industry together has always been one of the challenges that's been hard to it's, entirely. It's because out. the industry was not based upon money. It was based upon open. Right. So anybody can do it with all sorts of different right. you know, approaches to it, uh, ways to do it. And, and one of the approaches and ways is not to participate in the industry. And, and <laughs> yeah. And, and whereas, you know, the podcast 2.0 initiative, they're not thinking about doing it this way. They're just figuring out how to get crypto into podcasts so that podcasters can make money via crypto. And, you know, and, and it's, right. Hey, get me, I'm earning Satoshi's, but every time someone listens to my podcast, and of course it hasn't right. added up to very much yet. So maybe in a hundred years I have enough for one Bitcoin, but you know, who knows? Right. 
Right. There's another organization that says the Organization of Independent Filmmakers is a is another one. It's a 501c3 nonprofit. It says the organization is a diverse, open organization of talent, crew, individuals in the arts uh, of filmmaking. Um, you know, so that's kind of their they pull together events and things like that. And it, and I've always thought that one of the key ways of doing this would be to integrate it with some sort of an events sure. orientation, right? So you, that's a common thread across m- most of these organizations that they have, you know, conferences and events that can bring people together and make those, those community connections. So any organization that we would pull together would need to be able to network together with podcast movement and PodFest and, and kind of aggregate those communities around this organization yep. to some degree yep. to support it. Um, yeah. But, you know, between podcast movement and PodFest, what is that? That's maybe 15,000 podcasters or 13 or 12. Well, if you look at the size of uh, podcast movements community on Facebook, no, it's, it's, huge. It's, it's around 60,000, right. right? So right. that's probably, you know, that's probably the biggest chunk. I know that um, Club Pod on on uh, Clubhouse has aggregated about 50, 60,000 people around that community on there too. So there are some communities out there that are pretty big. I'm just not sure how effective they are at communicating to all those people yep. about anything in particular. You know, and the last like, thing I want to do personally is start a Kickstarter to rise, try to raise a half million. <laughs> Come on. It's just. <sighs> I, I, I feel another level of exhaustion yeah. coming on. <laughs> Just even thinking well, about it. Yeah. I mean, it is a, it is a heavy lift. It's a heavy lift. I mean, I mean, it's a big community, but yet in some ways it's kind of a very dispersed, non-integrated community too, at the same time. And and some people are going to say, why, why are you doing this? And that's the, you have to have a, a good walk. You have to have an answer to that. You have that. to have a compelling, yes, very compelling. And it's got to be simple to understand mm-hmm. and drive value to everyone that might be interested in getting involved. That's right. And th- those are hard lifts. Mm-hmm. Very, very hard lifts. Yeah. So, so anyway, I don't know. Let's, I would love to hear m- more, more feedback. This certainly isn't a conversation that we haven't had like <laughs> 10 know, times, 10, 10 times before. And, and tried to do things and there's been some, I'm, there's definitely more organizations involved in the podcasting space now than ever before. I have to give it that there's, you know, the podcast index and podcast 2.0 and the podcast Academy and, you know, the growth of PodFest and the growth of uh, podcast movement. Those are all keys to bringing this community together. Even, even the she podcasting, Oh, it's uh, huge. Platform has oh. been been very successful. As a matter of fact, they have an event coming up yep. here soon next month as well. And um, so it's, you know, I think it's possible. I guess the key is, you know, you, we just have to have a good reason. And I'm not sure that the reasons up to this point have been compelling enough for enough people. And before I go, ladies, 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 listen, listen, listen up, please. So I hung up with Jess, Jessica Cooperman. I saw that. Yeah. That was and awesome. uh, her and I were in a, a panel together at uh, Dragon Con, mm-hmm. and uh, 
buy your tickets to go to She Podcast, go to Phoenix, support mm-hmm. Jessica, Elsie, and the rest of the crew. Right. Please make an effort, if you feel safe to travel, to support that event and go to it. They, they are in a, well, they've taken on some risk for yeah. this show. Right. And ladies, 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 please support um, that show. Um, if you're not part of She Podcast already, they have a big Facebook group. You guys look them up. Uh, they are inclusive. Uh, so depending on your pronoun, but ladies, uh, go over and um, and become a member of the She Podcast group. And uh, there's an event for you. Uh, specifically. Um, right. So I think it's important to, you know, here we are at the end of, well, maybe the end of the pandemic or close to the end or, you know, three quarters of the way through or wherever we're at. And uh, if you feel safe to travel, this would be one event that I think you'll get a lot of value out of and it'll help mm-hmm. them carry to the next year. And um, right. I don't think they're in any trouble financially. I didn't get that indication, but I'm just saying they need your support. Right. So I agree with that. Absolutely. All right, Rob, we made the end. Yes, we did. We did. We did. And uh, let me prep to get us out of here. And there we go. So, all right, everybody, I'm Todd at Blueberry.com. At Geek News is my Twitter address. Um, thank you for being here. We'll be back next Wednesday, 3 o'clock, 3 o'clock Eastern for another show. Rob, how about you? Uh, I can be found on Twitter as well at um, Rob Greenlee. And uh, you can send me an email if you want, uh, robg at lipson.com. Uh, love to hear from you. Get feedback. And and I know Todd, we're we're considering potentially a, a sponsor for the show. So we'll oh see yes, we that, are. Right? yes, we are. Yes, we are. Yeah, you you've seen the email, so you'll have to email me your thoughts on that. Uh, we'll make yes. a quick executive decision. So yes, right. <laughs> and figure out which one of us is going to do the host reader if we're both going to do it together. <laughs> it's it's all good. It comes from you know one one for all. All right, Erin, right. we'll see you next Wednesday. Uh, we'll get the podcast on the street here in the next 24 hours or so. For those of you who've been watching live, those of you that are listening, well, you missed the live, so hang out with us sometime. We're on YouTube, we're on Twitch, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook Live. So yep. uh, we'll see you next time, everyone. Take care. Awesome. Bye-bye.